What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show showdown edition, a real barn burner today. This one will get your blood pumping the Denver Broncos at the Cleveland Browns who have essentially nobody left on the offensive side of the ball, but it's going to make for a fun showdown slate. And that's why we're here to break it all down for you. I'm Dave Lochran on the Twitter Lafayette underscore D hit me up and say hello to Matt Gajeski at Matt underscore Gajeski. Dude, we haven't had a game like this in a minute, and I know we both do expect Bridgewater to play, but it's not a foregone conclusion yet. It's definitely still in the realm of possibilities that we're looking at two backup quarterbacks, no Nick Chubb, no Kareem Hunt, likely no Odell Beckham. Um, Yeah, fun one on our hands tonight, huh? It is for sure. I feel like we're breaking down an XFL slate. We have uh, (laughs) Orlando Apollo's veteran Dearness Johnson expected to start for Cleveland Browns in the backfield which tells you just kind of what this game environment truly looks like injuries everywhere. So it's going to be a doozy to break down. Yeah, it is. And oddly, I'm looking forward to it. These are fun because we get so many games, Matt, where it's like, and don't get me wrong. I I enjoy talking about the Lamar Jackson's and the Mahomes and the Tyree kills and Kelsey's of this world, but these do create a, a different kind of wrinkle, right? When it comes to lineup construction and, you know, when it comes to, like optimal lineup probability, top play probability, which I'm actually trying to pull up now because I'm generally, I'm, I'm genuinely curious to see what it looks like. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar with, if you're new to the channel, welcome. Uh, but if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, we have a bunch of showdown tools over at Awesome and we have the ownership of course, but then we have the top, uh, the top plays tool, which gives you the probability that a player will be, you know, the number one overall scorer on the slate or that they will be two through six or on FanDuel, of course, two through five. Um, Matt, we've seen over the past couple of weeks, some really, really high top play probabilities for guys like, you know, Devontae Adams or Lamar Jackson. Uh, and then on Monday, who was it? I forget had uh, Derek Henry and, and these guys, Josh Allen was at 40%. I'm assuming we're not going to see that today. Yeah, I don't think we will. It seems pretty spread out right now. And basically one thing we have to preface the show with is I think everything is going to change based on some of the inactives we get. There's just so many marquee players that are questionable for this game that we don't have clarity on yet. So we're going to talk ownership, all these top plays and stuff, but it's going to change throughout the day, almost without a doubt, making our live before locks that much more important. Yeah. Good call. Um, what is the live? Because I know we do have basketball tonight. We have a three game NBA site, ton of content on the site. Let's see. So we have, NFL showdown live before lock. Yeah, it's myself, Alex Baker, Osimo, and uh, and Ben from 735 to 820. So you'll want to be there for that. Matt makes a good point. Matt, guess who, before we get into this, guess who has the highest top play probability on the slate today? Teddy Bridgewater. Is he playing? Ernest Johnson. He was, he was going to be my second choice. I wasn't sure if we had Teddy projected a little bit less because the injury or he was out or something, but I, he would have been my second pick. Okay. Yeah. And then Cortland Sutton, second, Teddy okay. Bridgewater, third, crazy, crazy slate um, or crazy game, I should say. But you know what? You might still have NBA, right? Third day of NBA. We're in full swing at this point. Still a million dollars up top on DraftKings. That's crazy. NFL is ridiculous, man. I think we're going to have a million dollars on every one of these showdown slates, at least the, the standalone ones, the island ones. 
I, it's just, it's crazy how popular the NFL is, even when you have these two teams playing each other with the amount of injuries, it, it's truly become like an enormous DFS sport. Yeah, no question. And we're happy to have you guys with us. Time to dive into this. But first, hit that thumbs up. We got 100 people watching right now, just getting underway. And subscribe to the channel. Damn, all right, we're at 62,500. Made some big gains over the past couple of days. Let's keep pushing this. If you're new, welcome. Very happy to have you here. Subscribe to the channel. Check out all the free stuff we've got. If you hate it, well, just click unsubscribe. You'll never have to hear from us again, but hit that thumbs up. And if you want to join the channel, you see all these custom badges in there or the emojis, the, 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 the sweet badges. You get them from the one month, the three month, the six month. No one has the yearly badge yet. That should be coming soon enough. Uh, and then, of course, we'll always prioritize your questions, shout you out and read your comments in chat if you're into that type of stuff. You don't want to join? No sweat. But the join button's right below that thumbs up. All right, Matt, you ready to do this? Yeah, man, let's get into it. Broncos, two-point dogs. I will, full disclosure, I bet the Broncos money line at plus 130. I think they're at plus 110 now. Uh, I, I bet this right as the Baker Mayfield news came out. So uh, I'm going to get closing line value on that. There's no doubt. I, I still don't, I can't say I'm super confident in it. There's still dogs on the road with the entire offense for Cleveland being, uh, being out. So I'm not, you know, encouraged by it, but we'll take it at this point. 19.25 implied total, though. And Teddy Bridgewater turned in three limited practices this week. And according to Vic Fangio, he has some some he is encouraged that he could play. But Teddy Bridgewater was, and I quote, non-committal during Tuesday's media availability. So we'll see. I think he plays. He was questionable last week. He's dealing with a foot and quadricep injury. But, I mean, if he's out, this changes even more. But not nearly – like, I don't think it hurts guys like Sutton, though, right? Because Drew Locke is just going to air it out to him if he's in there. Yeah, the best thing about Drew Locke is how reckless he is. Yeah. It's, it's not bad for DFS. Like, the dude's going to throw interceptions, cause turnovers, take sacks, pick sixes. But all that actually puts him into pass-heavier situations. So I, I don't hate Drew Locke coming in there. And I honestly don't think – with the way Baker has been playing the injury in his non-throwing shoulder, that case Keenum is that much of a downgrade. Right. Either. And uh, you see that reflected in the betting markets. The line did move. You got some nice value there, but I mean, Cleveland's still favored by two points in the game with case Keenum starting. And I think people are still expecting Bridgewater for Denver. So you have a backup in Cleveland going up against the starter in Denver, presumably and the Cleveland Browns are still favored. Where are you at on Teddy? If he starts. I think he's a really good play on FanDuel. He's too cheap. He's probably just going to be your auto captain. He's not really like a mobile court. He does have some mobility, but you know, he's not Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray. It's not what his game is built off of. So he's still completely fine to me if he plays. And then on DraftKings, you have to make a little bit more interesting decisions because you have such a, like a different price structure over there. Bridgewater being really expensive. And then you just have the pure value plays like Dearness Johnson's way, way, way too cheap. And if you captain him, you make much better lineups. But overall, I think Bridgewater is still going to be a very good play because of the lack of strong options everywhere else. Yeah, I'm with you. And you know what's crazy? So Jamar Chase and Terry McLaurin are tied for second most deep ball attempts in the, or targets, sorry, in the league with 14. 14, okay? Through six games, that's pretty significant. Cortland Sutton has 18 through six games, and that's with Bridgewater. 
at the helm. So I don't see anything changing, whether it's Locke or Bridgewater. I like both of them. But Corlin Sutton is getting a lot of deep opportunities. Matt, Vic Fangio said that there's a sub-50% chance that Jerry Judy is able to play tonight. So I know it's a good secondary for Cleveland. It's a, it's a, it's a solid enough defense, which I think is a lot of reason that suggests that, you know, that's one of the reasons they're still two-point home favorites. But Corlin Sutton, man, the opportunities – even though the production hasn't been there every week, the opportunities have been there, been there in a huge way with 25 targets over his last two games, uh, 33 over his last four, double-digit targets in three of his last five. I mean, he has some blow-up potential for sure. Yeah, he does. And you're just dealing with such a lack of pass catchers up at the top. Like, we're not going to see Odell Beckham, more than likely. The reports on him were that he's facing an uphill to play. Jarvis Landry might play. But those two guys out of the Cleveland Browns office, what other elite pass catchers do we even have on the slate? I mean, no Judy. He's likely going to be battling like Tim Patrick and Donovan Peoples-Jones as the top pass catchers, maybe one of the tight ends. So Sutton is pretty easy to fit today, and he's really the only player, at least the elite players, with a locked-in target share. So I think he's just outside of like major tournaments where your your right, constructions are going to be a little different. I think you just looked at Sutton in low-risk contests and put him in there with Bridgewater just because the target share is so good. He's being used all over the field. His dot is nearly 17 on the year. We, we like to talk about guys if they, like, eclipse that 20-yard per reception mark. Like, he's seeing nearly that on just targets. Corlin Sutton has been phenomenal over the last two games. He is nearly 44% of the air yards. So he's somebody I think you're just trying to prioritize. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, at, at this point, there's Tim Patrick. There's Noah Fant, who's been, I'd say, pretty underwhelming this season. You know, I, the the secondary for for Cleveland is is interesting to me too. Atomic uh, Bomber says Cleveland's secondary is absolute trash. Yeah, it's it's funny where you look at them. Like if you're looking at the coverage grade on PFF, Cleveland is top six. If you're looking at the DVOA grade on Football Outsiders, they're twentieth. Uh, if you're looking at just other metrics, like they're allowing the third lowest completion percentage, but they're also allowed, they've also allowed 14 passing touchdowns, Matt, which is third most in the league. So they've really been, it's like a Jekyll and Hyde type defense this year in the secondary for Cleveland. Yeah. I, I, the defense is pretty good overall. So it's again, matchups don't mean a ton to me. I'm trying to decide these, these little things based on volume and projections and ownership, but they overall are a very, very good defense. You would think so. I mean, Denver still has a sub 20 implied total here, but I'll just listen. I'm, it doesn't whether what atomic bomber, whether Matt and I agree with you or disagree with you or kind of, you know, somewhere in the middle, it doesn't really matter when atomic bomb mother, I should say, it, it really doesn't matter when you're getting the type of volume that Cortland Sutton's getting. Uh, and the peripheral guys aren't really that impressive. Now, we can talk about guys like Tim Patrick because he has at least been reasonably effective since Judy went down, right? I mean, he's giving you decent enough numbers last week, albeit not with the biggest volume, but he's the clear number two in this offense right now. Yeah, I love Tim Patrick. He's just has such a clear path to volume too, but Sutton is handling an immense, immense workload. With Patrick, he's tied for 15 targets over the last two weeks. That's the same as Noah Fant, but he's being used downfield a little bit more. He has a 20% air yard share to fans, 14%.
it's just so much of this is flowing through Sutton that it's it's going to require some outlier efficiency wise or something like that for Tim Patrick to get there. He's a player that it's hard to take a stance on at this point in the day, because I think maybe you'd prefer like a Jarvis Landry over him if we get news on his status at one time or another. But I'm trying to prioritize Sutton and then the ancillary players I'm filling out through my roster. It's heavily going to depend on injuries. Patrick is somebody I think who could be in there if you're seeing something like no Odell Beckham or Jarvis Landry and you're just looking for consistent target shares. But he's kind of in that lower tier range just below Sutton. And like to speak to Cleveland's defense just one last time, as far as yards per attempt go through the air, which is a pretty good metric, just basing everything on a per attempt basis, they're middling. So I think they kind of split the difference between PFF grade and DVOA. But at the same time, like, you're talking matchups for these players, like in the chat, that's in your projection system. So if you look at that, like it's going to be reflected in projections, which take all of that into account. So like seeing Corlin Sutton as the second highest owned player and just looking at raw projected score, he's among the top. This, the matchup doesn't make any difference to me. Like, I don't care about that. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, I it's already it was, in there. Like for you're sure. double counting it. If you, if you like make a decision based on Cleveland's good secondary, you're, you're just double counting it. Yeah, that's a good point. And we still have him with, what, one of the highest leverage scores on the slate despite his ownership. It just speaks to, to what other options are on this slate. Like, what guys can really break the, the, the game open? And there aren't a ton of them. I'm not saying Tim Patrick can't. And I guess I, 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 I kind of misspoke earlier when I said Noah Fant's been a bit disappointing. He's been, he's been inconsistent would, would have been a better way to put it, Matt, because – Noah Fant's had a few games last week. What? I think he had 11 targets. Um, he has found the end zone in three of six weeks. There've been some games for sure, but there's no doubt that he has been a far bigger focal point in the offense when they are trailing. Okay. So if you look at like the last three weeks outside of that Pittsburgh game, he's been targeted double digit times against Baltimore. They got, they got stomped in that game. And then they were down by, what, three scores to Las Vegas. He was targeted 11 times uh, with, with, a, with a nice target share uh, and, of course, touchdowns in both. So this is one of those games where I do worry that it's going to be an absolute slog fest. Now, that doesn't mean you're not targeting these guys because, you know, seven targets from Noah Fant in a low total game like this where there's no other games as competition to play players elsewhere or to roster other players. You don't need those type of ceiling games necessarily, but do you see this potentially as a game where both teams uh, are more conservative uh, or if we have Bridgewater, do they just, you know, try and throttle the Browns and do as much as they can through the air as well? I think it'll be pretty conservative and slow on both sides. We, we know both these teams like to ride the run and I think injuries are going to play a, a big role in this. With Fant, he just is really involved, and it has come in inconsistent ways. You see these these big spike target weeks, and then I'll drop back down. But ultimately, he is still sixth overall in the NFL in just raw targets for tight end. His target share is even higher than that if they do find themselves in a pass-heavy game script, which is positive in this situation. And I think that's only going to remain constant or increase without Jerry Judy in the fold, which is something we've seen marked by last week's game in particular. And with it projected to be as close as it is, I don't think Denver is going to be able to just take a completely run first approach. I think they'll have to be fairly balanced in this one. Yeah, I'm with you. Listen, Fant is the tight end six this year too. So 
Man. Kind of speaks to how bad tight end is. Oh, it's awful. Dalton Schultz is the tight end three. Catch a lot of what's Knox? Dawson Knox. Five. five. I was going to say, you catch a lot of touchdowns in these powerful offenses. That's how you do it. Yeah, exactly. Well, how many times have you and I brought that up over the last year and a half where it's like a lot of times you're just looking for touchdown equity? Like what? What are what what is the possible probability that or likelihood, sorry, that that these guys can score or their team is going to be in positions to score on multiple occasions? That's what it comes down to. You know, Kelsey's obviously a stud, but Mark Andrews is very reliant on touchdowns. He's the tight end too, which is hilarious because he had like four straight bad weeks to start the year. Dalton Schultz is relying heavily on touchdowns. Uh, all of these guys are. Dawson Knox has five touchdowns, Matt. So at the tight end position, he ranks number one in touchdowns and he's like eighth in receiving yards. So yeah, it all comes down to yards or I'm sorry, yeah, touchdowns. Yeah. Like Robert Tunyon last year is a great example of that. Oh yeah. What did he, he caught a touchdown on like 20% of his reception. I'm, that's an exaggeration, but actually it might not be. He might've had like 50 receptions and 10 touchdowns. Yeah. It was ridiculous. But I, again, he's just playing on an offense that scores a ton. Yeah. Well, when you throw, what did Rogers throw like 49, 50 touchdowns or something yeah. that that's going to happen. Yeah. He had 11 touchdowns on 59 targets. That's and 50, unbelievable. And, <laughs> and 52 receptions. So he had what a 19% touchdown rate. Stupid. He has one touchdown this year. Yeah. Regression. Unreal. All right. So if you're ranking Sutton, Patrick and fan. I know it's tough to do because all of these guys are more than viable today. All of them are pulling considerable ownership. Their ownership right now, just overall ownership, Cortland Sutton, three fan five and no uh, Tim Patrick is six. So they're all up there, Matt. But if you were to rank them in priority order, who would you put first, second and third? I would put Sutton one. He's the only receiver, pass catcher, whatever you want to call it, with a clear path to targets on this slate right now. I think the status of Beckham and Landry could change that a little bit, but both of them are dealing with injuries. Sutton is the only healthy one there. From there, I'm going to side with Tim Patrick, just based on price and rolling. We're, we're talking DraftKings here. No offense, slightly more expensive over there. And it's basically the same role, if not slightly in Patrick's favor. And Patrick's going to see more targets downfield. So he's going to be the player I just slightly prefer over Noah Fant right now. What about you? Yeah, I'm going def I mean Sutton number one for sure. Mm -hmm. But really close with Fantons, Fantons and Patrick. Sorry? Really close with Fant and Patrick. It's really and, and, and that's what I was gonna say. It's really, really close with these two guys. Um, you know, I'm willing to look at our tools for this too. And, and it's funny because Benny said in chat, he said, uh, slates like this really present an opportunity for people like us who have access to all the tools to gain an edge. Yeah, being able to look at some of this stuff is going to be important. So Noah Fant and Tim Patrick have like less than 5% separation in ownership. Uh, in top play probability, Sutton is, is way above them. Noah Fant's at 6%. Tim Patrick's at 5%. Um, Noah Fant, though, almost doubles up Patrick uh, in the optimal lineup probability uh, in the captain, sorry, the optimal captain, Matt. So, you know, slight edge there, slightly higher leverage score, but our projections and based on what you're saying as well, everything has them, those guys neck and neck. Yeah. It's, I think you just, if you're playing multiple lineups, you play whichever one fits. 
And if you want to use one of those particular metrics to break your tie, I think that's completely fine. I slightly prefer Patrick based on price, but again, the price difference between them is nearly negligible. So you, there shouldn't be a ton of lineups where like you can't get either one of them. If you can't, I think Patrick is completely fine, but you're really, really splitting hairs between these guys. You know, it's funny too, because Cortland Sutton leads the team with nine red zone targets. He already has three inside the five, only two scores on the season. I think we'll start to see a bit of regression, positive regression there. Uh, Tim Patrick has five red zone targets. Noah Fant has eight. Um, it looks like Fant and Sutton, and there's no reason they shouldn't be, Matt. And this might be a, a small tiebreaker, but Noah Fant and Cortland Sutton are, are the two clear top red zone options on this team. Tim Patrick being a third, but kind of a distant third. Yeah, that, that is true. That's a good point. You could definitely use that as your tiebreaker, too. I'm completely fine with that. Cool. And we, we do a fan higher projected for what it's worth. It's right. slight, but he is higher projected. Uh, last question on the, on the pass catchers. Is there anybody else here that, that gives us anything, you know, we, you've talked about guys like Tommy tremble and we've both thrown out some, some wild names from here to, from time to time that actually end up hitting, you know, Kendall, Kendall Hinton. I mean, is there anybody here that that's worth taking a look at? Kendall Hinton's worth taking a look at. He played a bunch, so. of, bunch of snaps last week. He's, he's pretty cheap on DraftKings, and just to speak to last week's role, 63% of the snaps, five targets. I mean, that's, that's he's on the field a lot. I, yep. He's certainly behind the top three, but in showdown, you just want players that are purely on the field in case they score that touchdown, in case they have that big game. So he needs to be in player pools for that reason. He's not going to come with any real ownership today because basically Cleveland's backfield gives you all the value plays in the world. You can play those guys and then hit studs so you should gain a lot of leverage with Hinton if you do decide to stack him with Teddy Bridgewater, even like over a guy like Tim Patrick. If you just make that one concession, you should be gaining a decent amount of leverage there. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, at, at this point, you're going to have to make some some you're going to have to make some moves that you don't feel particularly great about. But I, I think at this point, why not look towards someone that cheap? That's I mean, he's the he's the wide receiver three, Matt, and and. Sure, he's a distant wide receiver three, but a wide receiver three at a, at a cheap price playing 60, 65% of snaps? Yeah, why not? It's obviously assuming Judy doesn't return today, but I don't think he will. Do you think he will? No, the, like you said, the quote I believe was he's got an upward battle. Is that that was said? Odell Beckham, I thought. I think. What was Judy? The, he's got less than a 15% chance or less than, yeah, less yeah, than a 50%, less than a 50 chance. chance. Yep. Yeah, so I think you could unless there's something crazy that happens, like I do not see Judy playing in this game, especially because they're going to have more rest next week. That's a good point. Yeah. And if he does play, you would just knock Kendall Hinton down, Tim, knock Tim Patrick down to the two, um, or sorry, to the three. And then Cortland Sutton's still the one, but it's, it's, it's dicey. The only problem is we wouldn't know how much Jerry Judy's going to play. So for now, let's just assume he's not going to play. I really don't think he is. So agreed. The running backs, too. I, I'm not positive what to make here because you can look at carries over the past few weeks and you can try and distinguish something from that. But it's difficult, Matt, because they went 3-0 and to start the season against the Giants, Jags, and Jets, okay? They routed all of them. And then they faced Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and, and Vegas. And really, they got shit on by all three of them. So it's been 
three up, three down. And we predicted this from the jump. Like they're not the, as good a team as they are against as they are against the Jets and the Jaguars and the Giants. It's just the way it is. They're three and three going into this one. But I certainly think now that you're looking at a, a, a team that will probably want to run the ball uh, a little bit more than they have, assuming that Cleveland doesn't somehow get off to a, a big early lead. Yeah, I agree with you. And that's something they've shown in the past that they, they do want to be a little more of a ball control team. The tough part is like these guys are in a 50 50 time, share, yep. like as close to 50 50 as you can possibly get they in the red the, zone too. the red zone, the pass game everywhere on the field. It is a 50 50 timeshare between these guys. Our projections in the past have slightly liked Melvin Gordon a little more. I basically am just going to defer to price with this and play both guys in multiple lineups and then just try to spread my exposure to them both because you could very easily see a situation where Gordon has two touchdowns or maybe it's Williams that gets in the box twice and one of them has a big game versus the other. But predicting that is going to be so, so difficult. It's going to be really tough. I mean, at this rate, I don't know how to predict it outside of assuming that they both get around 50% of carries. Is there, is there really any other way to, to try and decipher which one of these guys is going to get the bulk of the work? I don't think so. Like Demario Crockett has three attempts on the season. Um, Williams has 65. So right now, what is it? Let's see. Melvin Gordon has 51%. Of running back carries 51% there. It's literally right down the middle. So we'll see. He has 12 red zone carries to Javante Williams, 10. There's no way to figure out the difference here. And they're both putting up pretty much the same production. I know people are, are very upset that there's still a timeshare here and that Javante Williams isn't the lead back. And I know Matt, there are a lot of, of, of reasons to, to want him to be, but at this point, I don't see anything changing tonight at all. I don't see any reason to believe we should think that. I don't think we will either. I Melvin Gordon was on the injury report, but he logged a full practice, so I'm not scared of injuries for Melvin Gordon. Their efficiency has been the same. Like, if you want to look at some yards per attempt metrics, like Melvin Gordon, 4.7 yards per attempt, Javante Williams, 4.6. And Melvin Gordon actually has the edge in yards per reception. So, I mean – Javante Williams has rattled off a few unbelievable highlight runs, just crazy broken tackles, but Melvin Gordon has not been inefficient either. Like he's right there with Javante Williams. So it's not like Javante Williams is out playing Gordon and earning more snaps. Javante just has a few flashy runs that you see like on Twitter and, and ESPN, but Gordon's playing well himself. He is. Yeah. Javante Williams has three runs of 20 plus yards one of 40 plus if we're just talking about like explosive nature I mean, but really like you said there isn't a whole much there isn't a whole lot that differentiating them right now i'm pretty sure melvin gordon has that only that one long one for like 70 or so against the giants but yeah you're right so are you just mixing and matching and hoping you get the right one Yes, I, you can look at some like yards after contact. Javante Williams, 227. Melvin Gordon, 194. Missed tackles, 22 for Williams, 13 for Gordon. So like efficiency, Williams has been a little better, but it's still pretty close. Like yards of 10 plus or runs of 10 plus yards, 10 for Williams, 6 for Gordon. So there is like a slight edge between, to Javante Williams there. 
And I, I guess there's the chance, like as the shiny new toy, the guy they drafted in the second round, they potentially use him more throughout the year. We've seen teams like the Ravens do that, who have an efficient back in Ingram, but then they slowly move towards J.K. Dobbins. But again, the, we're speculating here entirely. It's a 50-50 timeshare. I think you split your exposure. And like in Optimals today, I didn't get either of them in in just like cash games. Right. Yeah, that's the, are you willing to throw both of them into the same lineup in large field tournaments? Yes. You are. Okay. Yes. And that's really just a, that's really just a, a low ownership play there. Not to say that both of them themselves are going to be low owned, but I think both of them in the same lineup won't be all that popular. Yeah, and I think in those kind of lineups you're probably unless you think like Tampa, or excuse me, Denver blows out Cleveland, you're probably not playing a lot of like Bridgewater and Sutton in those lineups. You're probably playing like more of the the Cleveland side, assuming they're going to have to come from behind in some sort of scoring situation through the air. So I, if you do run them both, I would just be careful with the kind of lineups you're running because they are more expensive. We'll get to Cleveland later, but I'm far, far more likely to play both of those backs just based on price. If you haven't heard of jock market yet. Well, I'm going to tell you how to get up to a $50 bonus on your first deposit. When you sign up using the promo code, awesome. A W E S E M O. Actually, I just told you that's exactly how you do it. What is jock market? Well, essentially, they've turned fantasy sports into a stock exchange. Very cool concept. You can make money down to the minute, shit, down to the second at this point with the way you play. Here's what you do. Okay, very simple. You buy and sell shares of players in real time for real money. That's the whole stock exchange DFS crossover. You download the app in the App Store, the Google Play Store, wherever it is, and you can, this is, so of, of everything on here, the one thing that stands out the most, even more than getting a $50 bonus on your first deposit uh, and the first market guarantee, where if a new user doesn't profit their first NFL cash market, then they're refunded up to $100. That's pretty sick as well. But the best part is the pregame IPO, where you can pick up shares of your favorite players, because that actually is where you're finding an edge and the advantage. You've got pregame IPOs that happen uh, earlier in the day before these games start. You can pick players up on these IPO the, during the pregame IPO and get them at a discount before they get hyped up throughout the day or before they have that big game. And then in game, you can either hold them, you can sell them, you can buy more, you can do whatever you want. So there's a million different ways to make money on Jock Market, starting with the promo code Awesomeo to get up to fifty dollars when you sign up. You got NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, and PGA and all of the good sports that you're looking for. So check it out. And again, like I said, if you don't profit your first time off over there, uh, up to $100 back refunded into your account. Win-win situation. I think you'll certainly enjoy it. Download it in the App Store or the Google Play Store. Jock Market, J-O-C-K space M-K-T. All right, Matt, let's talk about Cleveland. Buckle your seatbelts, fellas. This one's about to get interesting. And hey, hit that thumbs up. We got 300 people watching. Early on a Thursday morning, even with NBA season, appreciate you guys. Uh, the, the, the NFL crew is not going anywhere, Matt. I'm glad, man. I'm excited. I like all the content. We have everything we have here. That This is a crazy one to break down for Cleveland, man. Like, wh where do we even start? I, don't, I guess we'll start with Baker Mayfield because it's funny. If you were to pull up, say, just DraftKings, you go into a contest, everybody at the top – is pretty much out. Like all of the best players are out. And it, it, Baker Mayfield, out. Nick Chubb, out. Kareem Hunt on the IR. Uh, Jarvis Landry could be activated. We'll see. Odell Beckham uh, has an uphill battle 
to be ready for tonight's game. It's very possible that they're without their starting quarterback, the one-two punch in the backfield that has been electric this season and every season, really, and their number one wide receiver. This is not your typical showdown slate at all, Matt. And now you've got Case Keenum confirmed as the starter. You made a point earlier, and I don't disagree, that it's, it's very possible that as it stands, in Baker Mayfield's current condition, maybe Case Keenum isn't the biggest downgrade, even though he hasn't started a game in two years. Yeah, I mean, you, you can look at Case Keenum's career stats. His completion percentage is above 60%. He's at 62 there. His yards per attempt is middling. And I mean, he's a backup. He's a backup game manager, but coming into this kind of game environment, like Case Keenum can certainly spot start for you for a game. He's better than a lot of backups in this league. And I think the most telling thing that we have here is line movement from Vegas and bookmakers. This did not change a ton when Baker Mayfield was ruled out and Case Keenum was named the starter. It changed a little bit, but there's still two point favorites here. And I think they're going to try to hide him as much as possible, run a lot behind their offensive line. Again, they're really banged up there, but they do have some players that have shown a little bit. So with Case Keenum, I think you can play him just because he's a quarterback player, of course. And you, anytime you get quarterbacks with like low ownership, that's certainly something you want to target. But the upside with him is a little muted, in my opinion, just because of the player that he is. Man, what about Keenum at the captain spot, right? He's got a as a quarterback having a sub 10% top play probability and a 13% optimal captain probability. I mean, that's not awful. It's only 3% away from Teddy Bridgewater. Who's number one is, is case Keenum at this rate, just somebody that we, we can throw into the captain spot or should we not? Because it's not like he's super discounted either. No, I, I think you're splitting hairs with a lot of the top options here. Typically, your quarterbacks have, you know, the highest likelihood of reaching that elite score that you'd want in the captain spot. Case Keenum is a little bit of an exception to that just because the limited player he is. He's a game manager. He doesn't run. But at the same time, he's still playing the quarterback position. So he's going to have the ball in his hand every single time. Even if you see Denver come out in this game, get the opening kickoff and score right away, Case Keenum will be forced to throw a little bit. So there's still a pretty decent chance that he puts up a good score here and could be your optimal captain. At his current ownership percentage, it's actually very close to, like, you just mentioned this, the ownership percentage he has right now in the captain spot is very close to optimal for the amount of times he actually ends up there. So I think he's a guy you could just be on par with the field right now. Or if you think, you know, there's a higher chance, take a stand on a guy like Case Keenum because he's not drawing the ownership that a normal quarterback does. So the big question, and uh, just to hit on a couple of super chats here, and huge beat saying I'm still at work hiding from the cameras for this. That's dedication, man. We appreciate you. All right, my favorite type of viewer is somebody that watches at work. Just saying. Uh, where is it? William Fields, morning, good men. Did you cover, uh, did you guys cover Teddy two gloves already? Yeah, if you go back to the Broncos, we did. But essentially, Matt, we like Teddy Bridgewater. And if he's active, which I, we both believe he will be, he, he has the highest uh, optimal captain uh, opt or optimal captain probability and he's what third highest probability to be the top overall scorer on the slate yeah we like teddy bridgewater yeah you said it well we like him all right so what are you doing with the pass catchers here let's assume that odell beckham doesn't play because right now he's trending closer to doubtful than he is to probable even closer to doubtful 
according to Stefanski, than he is to questionable. They are expected to activate Landry from the, the injured reserve. So that's interesting. I don't know if he's actually going to play, but if he does, that would leave him. And then Donovan Peoples-Jones, who was in tournament-winning lineups last week, Matt. Actually, I think he was in the Millie Maker with Baker Mayfield last week. Had a huge game. And, of course, a pretty lucky Hail Mary reception in the end zone as well. Yeah, and a pretty ridiculous. He was like the marquee win sprinter to begin the season, and he just popped up for that huge game. So for those of you that stuck with him, you were rewarded. But I think you summed up the receiver situation well. Based on what we know right now, we're not expecting to see Odell Beckham. I think there's a decent chance we could see Jarvis Landry. Some of the language on him was a little bit confusing. He was like labeled as somebody that was going to, quote, move around on Tuesday. So that doesn't really bode well for, you know, like a full-time role. And I don't think we would see Jarvis Landry immediately come out and be like 100% of the snaps, 100% of the routes. But again, that is a little bit of speculation. And I think Landry's going to pop in a lot of optimals tonight, just based on a lack of other options. And when he's healthy, he should be the presumed wide receiver one. It's just you have to toe that line with how much do you think he actually plays in his first game back. And some of these quotes that came out of Cleveland on Tuesday, again, weren't the most optimistic. Tony Boyer says, I know I haven't commented in a while, but it would be amazing if you two could wish me a happy birthday. Hashtag loyal viewer. Happy birthday, Tony. We like loyal viewers here, Matt. Tony, happy birthday, my man. Thanks for watching. Can you believe how insulting Jordan Klein, our producer, was to us this morning? It was unbelievable. I was a bit offended. I know. I, hey, Matt and I compliment Jordan Klein with a K, of course, and say, listen, dude, you're, you're, you're a great producer. You're the best one we've got. And you know, you, 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 we like talking to you and, and you're a likable guy and, and everybody loves you, but you don't overstep as a producer. You know, we're trying to get ready for shows. Sometimes you have people that just keep talking and talking and talking and stuff like that. And he goes, yeah, well, I don't really feel like talking to you guys anyway. I mean, <laughs> Matt, an egregious coming at, immediately after a compliment. I know Jordan Klein. We've talked about this before. He he doesn't like to accept compliments. Uh, in a way, maybe this is his version of you know, like I appreciate what you guys said. I just don't really know what to say. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try <laughs> to spin this as a positive for Jordan. It definitely could. It definitely could be. You're right. Like he he hears a compliment and he his his brain. Just it, it, it's short circuits, right? Like, I don't know what to say. Uh, I hate you guys too. So, <laughs> appreciate you though, Jordan. I know everybody does. Jordan with a K. All right. Um, so if you were, if you were a man, I know you just talked about this though, and you're right. People's Jones, remember earlier in the year, it was Anthony Schwartz that was getting those targets in like week one, and Donovan yeah. People's Jones did nothing. So, yeah, yeah. It's weird. How would you prioritize the wide receivers if Landry does play and if Landry doesn't play? Hopefully we get some news on like his potential role. I'm just waiting for like a Shefty bomb or something. Hopefully if we do not get any news, I think you'd have to assume Landry is just the wide receiver one. And maybe it's not on a pure snaps or route basis, but when they use him on the field, you'd think it's like a Rondale Moore situation or Kadarius Tony situation where they have a plan for him. Like, if he's limited, when they put him on the field, they are going to want to use him and going to want to do something with him. So he would still be the guy tentatively ranked number one. 
it would be close with people's Jones who would, we're assuming would play just full, full snap share, full route share, be the wind sprinter opposite Landry and hopefully work his way into more targets. Like we saw last week. And Hey, uh, to you, trip Anderson, you, you give me hope. You give me faith that society will be okay. Good man. And John Jefferson appreciate you as well, man. Very sorry to hear that. That fucking sucks. Uh, all right. So is Donovan people's Jones potentially going to be a huge priority today? Like, could it shake out that people's Jones becomes a priority? He, I think he'd be a priority if you have both Landry and Beckham out and there's still a really good chance of that. Like Jarvis Landry is still battling to play today. I, I honestly think we're going to see both Beckham and Landry try to go through pregame warmups. And then we'll see from there. Beckham has done these situations before and pulled out of games or week one stands out. And Landry's basically been the exact opposite. The dude's like a complete warrior. He barely misses games, which I think really speaks to the significance of the one he was dealing with, but he's already returned to practice at least to some degree. Again, the quote was he's been moving around. I'm not really sure what that means. But I think Landry's going to try to go out there. He's done that in the past and battled through just like ridiculous injuries. But in the situation they both miss, who else are they going to throw to? I mean, they will, they spread it all around a lot to like three different tight ends, but at pure wide receiver, they will have nobody else. So people's Jones in that situation would become a priority. I think. Yeah, I think so too. Now I will say this much. Uh, we had a uh, van, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, Frederick Von Riper said, can K- can Keenum complete a pass to Landry is the better question. Matt, honestly, I'd feel a lot more comfortable with Keenum throwing to Landry than people's Jones. I mean, Landry is your perfect safety blanket uh, if you're a quarterback who hasn't started a game in two years. So it wouldn't surprise me if Landry's out there and they say he's not going to be limited if he gets peppered with targets tonight. So that's something that's why you tune in to live before lock. You think about it. He is your perfect, obviously low a dot, but perfect chain moving uh, wide receiver. If you're a guy like case Keenum getting thrown into the fire tonight. I agree with that hundred percent. I, I don't mind Keenum again. I think, I mean, he completes 62% of his passes throughout his career. He's a guy that has been, not efficient, but he's been serviceable. So it's not like we're we're moving to Brett Hundley at quarterback here. Like Case Keenum started games in this league. As far as backups go, he's completely fine. I'm not worried about him coming in for guys like Landry and Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think he'll be serviceable. All right. Are you, are you ready? Are you? Oh, no. Actually, before the backfield, Matt, before we build our lineup and give our best bet of the day over at Odd Shopper, where you can sort by expected win rate, expected ROI, everything entirely free. Uh, it uses our projections to give you the best X win rate, expected ROI, all of that stuff. We'll show you in a minute. Uh, before we do, Matt, and before we get to this muddled, muddy, muddy backfield, sorry, what about tight end? I mean, we saw Njoku go crazy two weeks ago, and then him and Austin Hooper finished with what, like two receptions for a total of 11 yards last game or something ridiculous? They spread the ball out so much. Like, you have Odell Beckham eight targets in a game where he missed a lot of the time. He only played 54% of the snaps. Donovan Peoples-Jones, five targets. From there, no other player had three, but you have him targeting seven, eight players in this range, like Rashard Higgins, three targets, Schwartz, three targets, Hooper, three targets, and Joku, two. The running backs are always involved. It, they just use so many different players. 
then it's hard for one of them to have like an individual ceiling game. It can happen. A lot of times it will come through efficiency as we saw with Njoku two weeks ago, but none of them have like a standout role down here. Last week, Njoku, just 44% of the snaps. He's very much still behind Hooper as far as just like raw snap shares go. They're, they're a little closer in routes, but it's very much a timeshare between these ancillary pass catchers. If you had to pick one, which would it be? Or is it really just a legitimate toss-up? Between Hooper and Njoku? Yeah. I would pick Hooper. Okay. Would you, back, would you do the same? Yes, I would. Um, I have zero confidence in either of them, though, honestly. Yeah, they're, they're so volatile. I mean, we, yeah. can, we can try to look at routes run here. Hooper still holds the edge, and it's not by a lot. It's about 17 routes. It's 141. Excuse me. It's a, a little bit closer than that, actually, but it's, it's still very close between the two. It's only 10 route difference between them. But again, I'll side with the 10 routes for Hooper over just like the slightly less workload for Njoku. Splitting this backfield is, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm with, I totally agree with you on that. I mean, it's, it's a good enough breakdown to, to give us a slight edge, but yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing that's, that's really noteworthy. I was actually looking at, at tight end targets last time Keenan was the starter. And, you know, look, eight targets to his tight end, uh, five, eight, seven, six, three. But mind you, this was like Vernon Davis at the twilight of his career and Jeremy Sprinkle in Washington. <laughs> not, not exactly a murderer's row of tight ends, Matt. So it really isn't easy to, to make anything of that, you know wasn't like he had Ricky Seals Jones, the goat. What do we, where do we go with a backfield now that is comprised of Demetric Felton? I bet there are people watching this right now. We have some sharp viewers, but also a lot of people that view these shows actually have lives and families and jobs and careers and can't, you know, scour the interwebs and the games for all of these players. Matt, there are some people here that are hearing about Demetric Felton and Dearness Johnson for the first time. I have no doubt. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Dearness Johnson, before his NFL run, played for the Orlando Apollos. So, I mean, he is a very, very fringe NFL type player. Demetric Felton is a day three draft pick coming out of UCLA who started his career at wide receiver. The guy barely cracks 200 pounds. So he is very much just your scat back pass catching back. They play very different roles. Dearness Johnson is kind of, I'm going to say unathletic. We'll call him unathletic by NFL standards, but your grinder early down back, Demetric Felton is your pass catching specialist. If you're going to compare them to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, Dearness Johnson is going to play the Nick Chubb role. And Dearness, er, excuse me, Dearness Johnson is going to play the Nick Chubb role. Demetric Felton is going to play the Kareem Hunt role. All right. So with that in mind, how are you constructing rosters around these guys? Captain, flex, like what? Are you playing two in the same lineup? Break that all down for us, Matt, because we that that's what really is important here. For sure. They're both going to be owned because they're the paths to getting what studs we do have left on the slate. That's how you get them. I ran some optimals this morning on both platforms. They're both going to be very, very popular. Dearness Johnson projects a little bit better for us. Again, this is super volatile because we're dealing with a backfield that it has no sample size anymore. We, we can go out here and say Dearness Johnson is going to be the lead back. We just don't know if that's going to be the case. We have clues, and I do think he's the one that should be favored slightly over Demetric Felton, but we just don't know. 
on DraftKings specifically, when I ran optimals, they're both in it. Like they're just so cheap. And for the projected role they have as a team that's still favored in this game, it's just very easy to get them both. And they do allow you to jam like both quarterbacks and Cortland Sutton with a projected workload they'll see. It's hard to get away from playing both. How do you feel about the fact that Stefanski said it's going to be a three-headed backfield? I think we, we, we again, I, we, we just don't know. Coaches lie all the time, but You're right. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And I mean, they're basically coming in and taking guys like straight off the street. So how much, how much can like the third back for Cleveland actually play? Like, can they, can he actually be like acclimated to the game well enough to get out there and have this be a true three-way timeshare? I have my doubts, but I, again, completely uncharted waters. It is pretty wild though, right? That Dearness Johnson has the highest top play probability right now. This could change throughout the day, but that's pretty crazy. Right. Like the third back, we're talking about John Kelly. Yeah. He was just, he was just signed off the street. How, <laughs> how much do we think like a guy that was on his couch last week is going to play? Like I, <laughs> I, I know he said three-way timeshare. We need to put something into it. You're that. right, though. No, but you're right. You're I'm absolutely. a little hesitant to think it's like a just a direct three-way committee. There's no possible way. Why would you, why would you even want to do something like that? There's, yeah, you're right. There's zero reason to, to do that. And, and the ones that have gotten the actual snaps, what, DeFelton's played 35 total snaps. Ernest John, Deon, Deon Johnson played 20 total snaps all season. Who's the one that had that that touchdown? Was it Felton? I don't know. Okay, there, one of them scored on like actually a nice touchdown. It must have been Felton. Uh, it was, yeah, Felton had uh, a thirty-three yard receiving touchdown against Houston in, in week two, Matt, and it helped nobody. So, anybody else here for Cleveland that you want to talk about? Again, we'll build a lineup here coming up right now. We got over four hundred people watching right now, which is amazing. Uh, on a Thursday morning. So appreciate you. We just went over a hundred likes. Appreciate you and uh, subscribe if you haven't done so yet. The defenses, Matt, we got to talk about the defenses and the kickers here um, because this one could be low scoring. It currently has uh, an over or a total of 40 and a half points down from 44 at the open. This could be, this could be a spot where you have like Teddy Bridgewater or Drew L no, nah, I shouldn't say July because we assume Bridgewater is going to play. But this could be a one where, where defense is, is in the optimal, maybe even in the optimal captain. I don't think that happens, of course, but defense is definitely in play tonight. I think so, too. You have a pretty big mismatch with Cleveland's pass rush against Denver's offensive line. Looking at pass blocking specifically, Denver's about average, middle of the pack, but Cleveland just has an elite pass rush, most of that stemming from Miles Garrett. So I, I do think that is a pretty big mismatch. On the other side, Cleveland has a really good offensive line. So Denver has a pretty good pass rush themselves. But overall, like Cleveland's sixth in pass blocking. And then you have Denver's pass rush at 24th. So there are injuries to note for Cleveland's offensive line. This, this isn't just the, the same unit they've been trotting out there all season long. But I do think one of those advantages does side with the Cleveland Browns. And I think that's reflected in the total overall. As two-point favorites, there's a higher chance you see Cleveland playing from ahead in this game. And then you just have to have Denver playing from behind, passing the ball more, where Cleveland can really tee up that pass rush and try to create some plays that relate to interceptions, sacks, and potential touchdowns. So I, I would tentatively try to get more Cleveland, but ultimately defense being such a volatile position in a low-scoring environment like this, I think you just take what you get. 
Okay. Kickers, Matt? Kickers. Lower scoring slates, a lot more interested in these players because of the points they do score just on average are going to mean more. So I believe it was, um, I can't remember who said this, an awesome stream a while back, just looking at optimal lineups, like kickers almost never in the captain spot and they're almost never in the same lineups together. I believe in like 50 showdown slates last year, only one time were two kickers in the same lineup. I, I wish I could remember who said that on an awesome stream. But basically the point is kickers are a little more valuable on lower scoring slates, maybe where you're expecting defensive games, slogs, and a field goal just in terms of raw points scored is going to be more impactful. You just have less chances for these bigger players, these receivers and running backs to put up elite scores and outscore the kickers. So lower scoring environments, very interested in them. I think it was you and me doing a show and Terry McBride. It was it Terry. Chat. I it think you put Terry. it in chat, right? Yeah, yeah, it was Terry. Yeah, because we discussed that. All right. Um, before we build the lineup, I should let you guys know that we got an incredible promo going on. We always try and do one, <coughs> excuse me, whoa, right before the basketball season or football or baseball or hockey, any of them start. We want to give you guys uh, access at the best cost that we can so you can get a look at everything we've got going on behind the paywall. You're talking player projections, ownership projections, the top stack tool, boom bust tool, lineup builder, fantasy cruncher add-on. Uh, outside of Fantasy Cruncher, all of these tools built by the number one ranked DFS player out there, Osimo himself, and he's won a ton of money doing it. Not to mention Fantasy Cruncher is used by you know so many of the best DFS players out there. Just verifiable. It's phenomenal. So we have everything you need to get that edge, as we had somebody saying earlier in the show in chat. All you got to do is use the promo code CURRY, C-U-R-R-Y, all caps, at awesome.com slash promos or awesome.com slash join, whichever one you want. I think promos is easier. You can just click on it, get you 50% off your first week of awesome plus platinum, not just football, not just basketball, every single sport we have PGA, MMA, NBA, NFL, MLB, NASCAR, you name it. Esports. We've got it all over there. All of the best tools, everything and tutorials to help you figure out how to use them as well. If you're slightly new to the game, use the promo code curry. 50% off everything on the site for your first week. Awesome. Plus platinum. Check that out. And if you have any questions, you can DM me on Twitter. They're open. I'm happy to help you out. All right, Matt, let's do this. We have got one lineup to build large field tournament. Where do we want to start at the captain spot? I think we could do something like a Denver stack. So let's do, let's do Cortland Sutton. I love it. All right. Cortland Sutton. Boom, throw them in there. Got 7K remaining. DraftKings pricing, for what it's worth, is much better than FanDuel's pricing today. Uh, FanDuel is super, super loose. I'm going to go... I'm going to go Teddy here. For, I'm going to go Teddy. All right, love it. So we got a stack going. Yep, we got a stack going. All right, I'm going to go with a contrarian value piece because I think a lot of people are going to gravitate towards the Cleveland back, the Cleveland backs. Let's double stack this with Kendall Hinton. I love assuming it. Assuming that we don't have Judy. I love that. Opens things up, still gives you the wide receiver three option who was targeted five times, played 60 plus percent of snaps last week. All right, I'm on board. So Matt, who do you think is going to be the RB1? For Cleveland? I think it's tentatively Dearness Johnson. I think you're right. At his price, I, I'm i honestly okay throwing him in there. Hope he gets a little pass catching work. 
That gives us 8,700 remaining per, per player. I'm completely fine with him too. So we've got Dearness Johnson. We have a lot left. So we should probably just get Keenum in here, I think, based on yeah. taking a high floor option because we have so much salary left. We do. And honestly, like if, if you're I, – I, I'd be going Landry here next. The only thing is that this is going to be – like this could be a cash lineup, to be honest. Like this could – looking at this, this is just a nice lineup. Landry is way too cheap. Maybe if we were to differentiate in one spot here, Matt, right, we got 1,400 remaining. We can go cheaper or we could go more expensive. What do you think in a large field tournament or even like a big single entry tournament is the best place to get different with Cleveland uh, in this lineup that we've already built? One spot to, to differentiate ourselves. You're right. I, I do think this is kind of a cash lineup. The only thing I think is putting Hinton in over Dimitri Felton yeah. is going to give us an edge. So in like smaller fields, I'm completely fine with running this with like a Landry. But if we are playing like a larger field tournament, something like that, I think you could leave a little bit extra salary on the table, play maybe an Njoku or a Hooper, like just a less owned pass catcher doesn't necessarily have to be a receiver for Cleveland. That way Keenum is stacked, but he's not stacked with like the number one in Landry or the number one in people's Jones. If Landry sits something like that, you know what I mean? Yep. No question. Shit. We have to go. Okay. I like that lineup. I like you guys too. Thanks for hanging out with us, Matt quickly top prop of the day, top bet of the day. Teddy Bridgewater over 19 and a half completions. It has a fantastic ROI percentage based on our odd shopper tool, 67% chance of winning. Ooh, I love it. Stick around. Coming up next, it is the awesome NBA strategy show. Josh Engelman, Adam Share. They're taking you up till 11 a.m. for today's three-game slate. Don't miss it. We'll catch you back here. Matt Savoca and myself an hour from now, the marathon matchup show for the NFL week seven slate as well. We'll be back here for live before log NBA, NFL, you name it tonight. The only place to be for the free DFS content, the best free DFS content. Peace.